Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. We hope that this message will challenge you and encourage you on your journey of faith. If you would like to learn more about Journey Church, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and online at thejourneychurch.cc. Now enjoy the message. Uh, so my name is Tommy Spence. Uh, I've, I've been a part of Journey Church since the, the beginning. Uh, I've known Chris and Kim, uh, Chris specifically, ever since I was born. Uh, so day one, I've been with him and been riding it out through his journey of, of life. Uh, he's the one that actually got me into church. He's the one that, you know, got me to go as a, as a teenager, as a middle schooler to work Assembly of God where I gave my life to Christ. Uh, followed him from there to Faith Fellowship and to Freedom Life Church, back to Faith Fellowship, and, and now here uh, at Journey. And so we're super excited. He's been super important in my life. It's because of my relationship with the Lord and, and what he's done in my life that I got to meet my beautiful wife, Holly, back there. You know, and, and uh, you know, we have three beautiful children, Hannah, Thomas, and Noah. If they're good, they're ours. If they're not, we're going to push them off on somebody else for a little bit. Uh, they're, they're pretty loud, uh, and they're everything that I was and probably a little bit more. Uh, so the Lord got with me on that one. Um, I get to preach a standalone message uh, today. The, the last series was Don't Stop. It was, you know, don't stop loving, don't stop hoping, don't stop friendship, and, and don't stop resting. So if, if you didn't hear that, get online, go check that out. Uh, I get to preach a standalone message today called God Maps. And it's been something that's been put on my heart for at least almost two years now. Uh, back in September of 2019, I sent Chris a text message. I was like, hey, man, I got a dope message uh, for you. And it's called God Maps. And I started sharing my heart, what the Lord was putting on my heart with them. And he was like, hey, man, like, it sounds like you're ready to preach a week. And I'm like, you, you call it. And so here I am about two years later uh, preaching this message. But I, I, I don't think it could be any more timely for the time that we've gone through in, in 2020 and what we've come up through in 2021 of, of how important it is to think about God maps and being on the right path and being on the right route and taking the right direction and making the right decisions. Like it, there couldn't be a better message right now that the Lord's been putting on my heart and I get to share it with you. Everything that we've done, gone through with COVID, everything that we've talked about in social justice, everything that we've talked about in elections, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, what's going on in our lives like, man, do we more than ever right now need to know that we're on the right path, that we're making the right decisions, that we're lining up with the Word of God? So this is super exciting to me. Uh, travel and everything has been a part of my life, basically because of uh, a woman, my grandmother. Uh, she's also known to my kids as, as Mimi. Uh, she passed away, but, you know, I started traveling with her. That's where it all started with, with me. And so if, you, if you've ever traveled prior to iPhones and Samsungs, you know, I don't want to leave Android out. You know, if you've ever traveled before, you know, before technology hit, you had to get what? A map. Sometimes you had to have a couple maps because you were traveling multiple states and you pulled the map out and you would, you know, mark where you were, you would point out where you were going and then they would highlight the route. You know, you would pick out the interstates that you're getting off on, the turns that you had to make. You know, I, I even remember going to uh, AAA, right? You used to plan trips with, with AAA. And, you know, and then there are kids now, my kids won't know about this. They won't know about the experience of like sitting down at the desk at AAA and they were like helping you out, map everything out. Like they have no idea. They're just going to plug it into their phone or their tablet and be gone. 
that's what I do now. So I, re- I remember sitting down at the desk. You know, we'd be planning trips to Florida or wherever. My, my grandmother was a road warrior. She loved to travel. And, and I remember they would circle where we were going to end up. They'd highlight all the routes and turns that we were going to make. And we would take these trips. And I remember one specific trip, you know, I was, I was probably the best navigator that my grandmother could have. You know, on a 12-hour trip, I, I slept about 10 and a half, you know, 11 hours, kind of like my wife does with me now. You know, she's, she's amazing at that, just sleeping the entire way, so it's great, especially at night. <laughs> so we're sitting there, and we're traveling, and I, and I wake up with my grandma. I'm like, hey, grandma, you know, where are we at? You know, where, where are we at right now? And she's like, oh, we're in, I, I want to say she said we're in Tennessee. And I was like, man, I don't think we're supposed to be in Tennessee. This not where we're, that's not where we belong. I'm like, grandma, are we supposed to be here? She was like, I was like, are we lost? And she's like, no. We're, we're sightseeing. I was like, no, no, Grandma. You got it all wrong. We're lost. She's like, no, Tommy Jr., we are sightseeing right now. Look at, look at everything around you. It's beautiful around here. And my grandmother would say to me all the time, no matter what we were doing, when we were lost on trips, she'd be like, we're just sightseeing, honey. We're just, we're, everything's okay. We're just sightseeing. I'm like, we're not supposed to be here right now. We've got to get out of this area. You know, the, the, another time with my grandma, I'm traveling, I'm in Florida, I'm with, you know, my, my now wife, and I think we just left a Chick-fil-A having dinner, and she's driving, it's dark outside, and we're trying to get back to our hotel, and I'm sitting in the back, I'm like, hey, grandma, do you, do you know where you're going? And she's like, Tommy Jr., like, I can't see, and I was like, wait a minute, you're behind the wheel and you can't see? We don't know where we're going and you can't see? We have real problems right now. We're sightseeing and we can't see. None of those things are good, right? Amen? So look, there are three important things when it comes to travel, that if you're in the military, that if you're a traveler, that if you're a truck driver, these three things are critical to success. One, you got to know where you are, right? You have to know where you are. Then you got to know where you're going. We have, to, we have to have a destination of where we're going, and we have to know how to get there. Those, those are three critical things to have success in travel and getting to our, our destination. So whether you're old school and you like to pull out maps, whether you like to plug it in your phone, you know, now with the tablets, they, they you know, Waze and Google Maps, they tell you, hey, this, this route has got a bunch of traffic. Or, you know, if you look at Waze and everybody's participating, it's like, hey, there's a cop here. There's a speed trap here. There's construction there. There's a car on the side of the road. You know, however you do it, you know, those are important things to get us to our destination. Today, we're going to take a look at a couple of people that have some difficulties traveling on, on their journeys. So we're going to first, we're going to go to Jonah 1, verses 1 through 2. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nivea and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. So the key things here in these first two verses are just the fact that Jonah, he knows where he is, and he knows where he's going. He's got a destination of where, where he's going, and he knows how to get there. But it gets, starts to get tricky right in the next verse. And, and, and guys, I'm not going to just, like, point out just one or two scriptures. We're going to actually read through a bunch of these because I want to make sure we get the context. Okay, so let's go ahead and go to verse, verse 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for, 
I was like, man, I read that super fast. <laughs> we found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed from Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind of the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. That's a terrible time to sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? Keep our, they knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you. Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Now, I don't want to be in a fish for a minute, let alone three days and, and three nights. But there's some key things in these scriptures right here, guys, that we have to point out. And, and one thing for this journey, see, Jonah knew where he was. He knew where he was supposed to go, and he knew how to get there. And in Scripture 3, you see he ran away. He went in the complete opposite direction of where the Lord told him to go. He made a clear and conscious decision to go in the opposite direction. And so whatever that is for us, Whatever sin that is, I'm not going to talk about sin. We're all professionals at that. You guys know what that is. But whatever that was for Jonah, he ran in the opposite direction. And you see that when he ran in the opposite direction, it didn't change his destination. It didn't change where he was supposed to go. It didn't change where God called him to be. So whatever our destination is and wherever we're running to, whatever we're dealing with, whether it's sin or, or whatever, it doesn't change your destination. It doesn't make you disqualified. They're delays, not disqualifications. That's what it is. They are delays and not disqualifications. Those decisions to go in the opposite direction do not change the destination that God has for us. They do not disqualify you. They, do not disqualify, they didn't disqualify Jonah. You see, because Jesus took everything we were so we could be all he is. He took every single thing that we were 
so we could be all he is. And, and we talk about GPS now, you know, the global positioning system. And I, and I look at this thing right here, and I'll call it God's positioning system. It'll put me right where I need to be at. It'll put me right on track where I need to be at. When, when I'm running in the opposite direction, I can go to my GPS and connect up and know, hey, look, you're off course, Bubba. Hey, you, you need to get back on track. You, you need to lock in. And, and we know that this is true. Even when we get off course, even when we're making decisions to run in the opposite way, that he can put us back on track by looking at Romans 8.28. And it says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. He can, he can work all things for our good. He can work those, those runaway decisions for our good. He can put us back on track. And we know that those, those decisions that we make to run away from God, to run away from the de- destination, there, there can be some consequences with that, right? And those, those aren't always, that, they're not God consequences, I can promise you that. God's a good God. Everything good and perfect comes from him. But if you step outside in 30-degree weather with no shoes, no socks, you know, no shirt on, and it's snowy and wet outside, there's a good chance you might get sick, right? That's a possibility. That is a consequence to a conscious decision that can happen. That's a delay in where we're supposed to go. And and so Jonah is, is making delays, you know, when we make those decisions, you know, I, I learned a long time ago, sin will make me stay longer than I wanted to stay, and it'll make me poor than I was ever, pay more than I was ever willing to pay. Every single time. Every single time when I get off track, I stay longer than I want to, and I pay more than I ever wanted to. But God's GPS can get us back on track. It can get fixed. Those delays aren't disqualifications. Romans 8.1 says this. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Condemned means unfit for use. You are under no condemnation when you were in Christ Jesus. So it means you are fit for use. It means that what I'm telling you is those delays are not disqualifications because he said there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And Jonah, he created setbacks for himself by going in the opposite direction. He created heartache for himself by going in the opposite direction. All of us have been there. We, we all know that we, we've created setbacks and in, in destinations and places that we're supposed to be. We get off, when we get off course, we just have to refocus. We, we have to refocus and we got to reconnect and recalculate that route. We got to look at where we're supposed to be going. You know, but Jonah, he ended up refocusing. He got reconnected in, in the belly of whale and it took him three days for whatever reason. And so in chapter two, he's, he's praying and he's like, okay, God, I'll, I'll go. I'll go to Nivea. I'll, um, I'm locked in and I'll tell him what you want me to tell him. 
And in, in chapter 3, he actually goes and he, he does what he's supposed to do. But you see the, the other part in there, and I encourage you to go read through Jonah. The other part of that is that he didn't go to Nivea because he knew what the result was going to be at the destination. He knew what was coming. You see in Jonah 4, verses 1 through 3, it says this. But Jonah, I was like, that ain't it. Okay, here you go. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said? Lord, when I was still at home, that is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. You see, Jonah is angry. He's like, I, I knew that if I was going to come here and I was going to tell them about their wickedness, that they were going to repent and you were going to forgive him. He didn't want to go to the destination because he knew what was coming on the other side was compassion, was mercy, was grace, was love. All that was at his destination. So he went in the opposite direction. And I know I can relate to that. There are so many times in my life that I know the destination is to go over and forgive somebody and go over and love somebody that I'm not, I don't want to love. I'm I'm just being honest with you and vulnerable with you. There are plenty of people that I run into that I don't want to forgive and I don't want to love. And and clearly I don't like sometimes, but I know that that's where I'm called to be at. So I have to reconnect and I got to get in here and I got to talk to my wife who tells me what I need to hear, not what I want to hear. And the people that surround me and that point me to God and point me to his grace and his mercy. I'm like, hey, you're off track. You need to turn around and go the other way. That's not what you're called to do. The destination is over here in in forgiveness. It's over here in love. It's over here in grace. It's over here in, in mercy. Jonah knew how great God's forgiveness was. He knew. He knew that grace and mercy and compassion was coming in Nivea. And that's why he he didn't go. You know, and and now we have all these ways like we've talked about in technology and Google Maps and ways you plug your your destination from where you are and you get to select what routes you want, whether it's the most direct path, maybe it's more miles but less time or, you know, less miles and more time or a toll road, whatever it is, you get to pick which route you want to take to get to your destination. And that's free will. And each and every single one of us have a destination to get to, but it's free will. It's the decisions that we get to make, and that decides on which route we're going to go to take to get there. And in these paths that we take on our decision, because God loves us so much he's given us free will, sometimes those paths come with heartache. And sometimes it has nothing to do with our free will at all. Sometimes it's somebody else's free will that comes in. And decisions that they make slows our our route down to get to a destination. You know, sometimes it's a drunk driver who blows through a red light and and gets into a crash. Sometimes it's, you know, somebody else saying, hey, no, I'm not going to do that. It's other people's free will that can slow down our route to, to get to the destination. 
but we'll decide if we're going to stay on course. And sometimes on that route, it may seem like we're lost. You may look like you're lost. But the, the beautiful thing is, is that just because you get lost, it doesn't mean you have to stay there. It doesn't mean that you have to stay in that place and stay lost because we have things in our possession. We have the word of God. We have godly people around us. We have godly people that are going to speak into us and that are going to pray over us that will get us reconnected and get us back on the path of where we need to go. At the time that we're lost, we got to figure out, hey, where am I? Where am I right now and where do I need to go? And we'll start to figure out the route that we need to take. But when we talk about being lost, there are other times that it looks like you're lost and you're right where you need to be. There are other times in life where you're going to look around and you're going to be like, I'm in unfamiliar territory. I know that I was on the right path. I know I was going in the right direction. But this does not look familiar to me. I do not know where I'm at. You know, if we look at Jesus... You know, when he, was, when he was going to the woman in Samaria and he took a direct route to the well at the hottest part of the day, how many of you know there are plenty of people that were looking at Jesus telling him, hey, man, you're off track. You're lost. We don't go this way. You see, we go the way around so we don't have to run into these Samaritans. And he's like, no, I'm right where I'm supposed to be at. And he met her right at the well. There's plenty of times that that's going to be our case. That that's going to be us. We're going to be in unfamiliar territory, and you're going to have people around you and going, hey, man, you're lost. You're off track. And the Lord's going to be like, hey, you're right where I need you to be at. Look, look at Peter. I mean, people in the boat probably thought Peter was off his rocker. He's off track. Hey, this guy's going to step out and walk on water. Okay. Sure. You know, Peter, maybe you should go sleep a little bit. In the midst of probably looking lost to quite a few people, Peter was right where he was supposed to be. And he hopped out and he walked on water with Jesus. So there are plenty of times that you're going to look like you're lost. You're going to feel lost because it's unfamiliar territory to you because you're stepping out of the boat, but you're right where you need to be. And there are going to be some times where we've made decisions and we are off track and we're lost. And that's why it's so important to stay connected. That's why it's so important to stay connected with the Lord in prayer, in worship, in reading, reading the word. Because we have to be able to look up and be like, hey, Lord, am I, am I right where I need to be at? You know, because when we do, you're going to have peace. We're going to have peace about us that surpasses and transcends all understanding when we're right where we need to be at. Doesn't mean those, those places or those things won't be hard, but you'll have peace. So that, that's one person in the, in the word, Jonah, who makes a decision to run in the opposite direction. The next person I want to talk about is Paul. Acts 9, verses 1 and 2. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. All right, so when we're talking about our, our key things in travel, we have to know where we are, we have to know where we're going, and we have to know how to get there. 
Saul, he's in, he's in Jerusalem. He, he knows where he's at. He, he's going to Damascus, and he knows how to get there. He's got a direct route. All right, now let's look. Acts chapter 9, verses 3 through 19. And he neared Damascus on his journey. Suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are pers- persecuting, he replied. And this whole right there, you go right back. I think What I think is funny is that at this time, Saul, Paul, responds. He's like, who are you, Lord? Like he already knows that the person who's talking to him is, is the Lord. Let's go on. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming, he has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. After taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. Now, you see, this is an example of somebody who was on the direct path but had an issue. You know, if he was in Google Maps, he would have saw a big, fat, red line or ways. He would have saw a huge accident. Hey, look, don't go that way. But he ran right into Jesus. He had a, a major encounter in, on his way to Damascus with the Lord. And you see, God is going to make our path straight. He's going to give us the most direct route. That's who he is. If you look at Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 6, my son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commandments in your heart, or they will prolong, or they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and humankind. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. It's a guarantee because his word never returns void. 
It's a guarantee that he's going to make your paths straight. He's going to make your path to your destination straight. And so sometimes the question becomes, well, what is my destination and where am I supposed to go? The, the best thing I can tell you is delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. And Kim started to say it last week when she was preaching, and I was like, you better not preach my message. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, you better be quiet right now in Jesus' name. You know, Psalms 37, verses 1 through 7 say this. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. You see, if you want to know what your destination is, you delight yourself in the Lord. And, and some people, I, th- I think sometimes we as a church and as a body of Christ, we take it out of context. You know, we, we think that, oh, man, he's going to grant desires of my heart. So I want, you know, a beach house in Malibu. I want to kick my feet up. I want a trillion dollars in the bank. And, and I don't want to ever do anything again. And not that that can't be part of the Lord's plans for us. Not that that can't be part of that. But if we are delighting ourselves in the Lord, and if we actually look at this verse and take it in context, if we're delighting ourselves in the Lord, then the Lord's desires become our desires, and he grants those. If we're delighting ourselves in him, his desires become our desires, and he grants those desires. We all need and we all have a destination. We have a goal. We have a purpose and and a vision. And if you want to look for a place to start, we can start as easy as Luke 4.18. This is a destination for, for everyone. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has appointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recover sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. If you want a destination, you can start right there. You can start right there by going to set the oppressed free, proclaiming good news to the poor, recovering sight to the blind. That's a destination that we all have as the body of Christ, that there is no age requirement. There is no height requirement. It doesn't matter where you come from, how much money you have, that that is a destination that the body of Christ is called to do as the hands and the feet and the eyes and the ears of the body of Christ. We are called to do Luke 4.18 every single day of the week, every single day. You have a destination to go to. It's to recover sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim good news to the poor. Everything, you can renew that destination as much as you want. It's not going to change. That is the calling of the body of Christ for what we are called to do. And we have to constantly be renewing our destination and our, and our visions. In Proverbs 29, 18, it says this. Where there is no vision, no revelation of God and his word, the people are unrestrained. But happy and blessed is he who keeps the law of God. You see, we have to have vision. We have to have destinations. We have to have places that we are moving to. You know, if we're not, 
we become complacent. We become complacent where, where we are. And if you have a military background, law enforcement, you know, wilderness, whatever, uh, complacency, one of the things that they'll say in those environments is complacency kills. If you're just being okay with being okay and you have no vision and you have no destination, that's a dangerous place to be. And I don't know if you've ever been this in your walk with the Lord. It's a dangerous place to be not advancing your relationship with him not spending more time with him. How many of you know it's a dangerous place to be with your spouse if you're not advancing and growing that relationship with them? If you're just okay with just going home, not saying anything when you come home from work, getting in bed, going to sleep, waking up, eating breakfast, hey, do you need help with kids? No, okay, bye. How, how many of you know that's a dangerous place to be in your marriage? What kind of relationship survives that? What kind of friendship survives complacency? They don't. They don't. We can't be complacent and being okay with not having a destination and not moving in the right direction. That comes from not being connected. And when we get those destinations, when we have those desires, we start, we need to write those things down. We need to speak those things out because God is putting those things on our heart for a reason. And there are plenty of times where the destination can seem overwhelming. It can seem maddening. And, and there are plenty of times that the Lord doesn't give us the final destination. And I can tell you because of my relationship with Chris, 100%, he did not know at the time that he got saved, at the time he gave his life to Christ, that he was planning Journey Church. He didn't know that. Kim didn't know that. It would have been overwhelming. Hey, look, you're going to leave a steady job with three kids and you're going to go plant a church. Okay, bye. Most people would have been like Jonah and be like, nope, see ya. And would have taken their chances, right? So there are plenty of times that on our way to the destination that God has for us, there are checkpoints. He's like, hey, just, just take one step forward. Just, just move one step forward. Like, okay, hey, you did real good there. Hey, now we, we got another destination to get to. Let's, let's move to the next one. And you see this in God in the example of, of David. You see, David didn't just go to the Goliath. How many of you know that? David didn't start off with Goliath. David started off with the bear. He's like, hey, hey, David, go fight the bear. Took care of the bear. Then there was the lion. And David took care of the lion. It's like, okay, hey, look, here's your destination. It's Goliath. And he went there with confidence. Those checkpoints in our destinations can give us confidence. Like, okay, God, here we go. Let's get the next one. Okay, God, here we go. Let's get the next one. So as we, we start to wrap some of this stuff up, and there are things I want you to take away today, and, and the first thing is you have to know where you are. You have to know where you are with God. And I don't want anybody leaving here confused, so let me tell you where you are with him right now. You, you serve a God that's thrown your sins as far as the east is to the west and to the sea of forgetfulness. You serve a God that's called you the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. You serve a God that said whatever you put your hands to will prosper where the soles of your feet tread will be yours. You serve a God whose love is agape. It's unconditional, which means there's no prerequisite. It's unconditional. You don't have to do anything to get it. You don't do anything to get more of it. You have it all off, off the bat. 
You have every single bit of it. So you can go everywhere in your life. You can get lost, and you will always know where you are with him. That does not change. It's unwavering. You have to know where you are, and you have to know where you're going. You have to know where you're going. And if you say, look, I don't, I don't know what God's calling me to do. I don't know what my destination is. Then start with Luke 4.18. Start with giving good news to the poor. Setting the oppressed free. Giving sight to the blind. Start there. That's a destination for us. And you have to know how to get there. We got to get plugged in. We, we have to spend time in worship. We have to spend time in the Word. We have to surround ourselves with a great cloud of witnesses and people that are going to point us to the Lord, that are going to tell us the things that we need to hear, not the things that you want to hear. We have to have people in our circle that are going to be like, hey, look, you really missed that. You, you missed the mark on that one. And that's okay. That's fine. I can promise you, you're not doing anything that's surprising the Lord. He's not shocked that you went right when you should have gone left. You're not taking him off guard. But if we plug back in and we lock back in, he's going to work all things for our good, and he's going to get us back on track. Remember that sin causes delays. Those decisions that we make to go in the opposite direction, they cause delays, not disqualifications. And that's something that you really, we as a body of church, as a body of Christ, have to write on our heart. It has to be written on the tablet of our heart. We have to know that, that those things are not disqualifications. Those are delays. It's not going to stop us from what God has called us to do where he's called us to be. Sometimes the destination looks different in your head than it does when you got there. Sometimes you'll get to a destination and you'll be like, "Ah, this is not how I pictured it. And I I can tell you from my own, you know, personal example in in my life, there are plenty of things that I was like, oh, well, I'm going to have this position and I'm going to be here and I'm going to do this and it's going to be great. You know, we're going to have a picket fence and, you know, we're going to live on Mayberry Street and everything's going to be great. And sometimes, I mean, you know, that destination ain't, ain't where you end up, but it's also right where I'm supposed to be at. And there are plenty of times where I'm like, hey, God, you missed the destination. This, this ain't it. This is not the place where I'm supposed to be. And he's like, hey, Tommy, I, I think I got it. You know, I have a, a seven-year-old little girl, and I'm sure it's going get, to get worse. There are plenty of times that she knows, or she at least she thinks she knows, where the destination is supposed to be better than I do right? And she's like, no, dad, we're supposed to do this. And I know that that's wrong. I'm like, no, we're not. We're doing this. And I know that about her. And because I know that about her, I should know that about my relationship with the Lord. And I should be able to be like, hey, God, you know, I know you got this, but there are plenty of times in my walk with the Lord that I'm like, hey, God, you got the destination wrong. We're going to go over here. And he's like, no, no, we're not. We're going this way. Sometimes it looks different. You know, and, and so what I'll end on is with, with thinking about the destination. What I'll end on is there's plenty of times I tell my wife, I, I said, and it writes a passage, are people that I, you know, share, share my own life with in my circle. I tell them, I just want to be where the cloud is. 
I don't, I don't know. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. I don't know the decision left or right right now, but I want to be where the cloud is. And that's a reference to the Israelites. You see, when the Israelites were traveling, there was a cloud that was over them. And when the cloud moved, they moved. And when the cloud stopped, they stopped. And so there are plenty of times when I'll tell my wife, is, I just, I just want to be where the cloud is. I, I don't have the answer right now. But if the cloud moves, I want to move. And if the cloud stays, I want to stay. That's, that's what I want to do. And sometimes that's, that's hard to decipher and that's hard to get through and to understand. But the reality is, is I just want to be where Jesus is. And if, that, if Jesus is moving me, then I want to move. If Jesus is telling me to stay still, then I want to stay still because I know that his destination for me is better than the destination that I have for myself. And you see in Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3, says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run the, with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You see, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross so you can get the destination that he's calling you to be. You can get to where he's calling you to be. And during the journey, one of the things, the last thing, if you don't remember anything, from today. Take this home. Write this down. Write this on your heart. You will never be more loved than you are this very instant, right now. You'll never be more loved by God at any point in time than you are right now. You were never more loved on the way here, whether you were yelling with your kids, whether you were yelling with your spouse on the way to get here, whether you had a fight with a friend, whether everything was going wrong. You were more loved then. You're more loved here. It's not changing. It's not depending on what you do for God or what you don't do for God. It's not going to change. You are never going to be more loved than you are right now sitting in that chair. And that's a foundational principle that we all have to remember. You see, with, with society, a lot of times, the love that we get from people is how, how good we do, how great we are. What do we do for them? And then we get love back, and then that energizes us. But you see, God ain't counting on you to hold him up. And I'm going to ask the worship team to, to come on up. As we're wrapping up, God ain't counting on you to hold him up. So if he ain't counting on you to hold him up, there ain't anything you're going to do that's going to let him down. In Elevation, Elevation Worship, they have this song called uh, Jaira. And that's, that, that first verse is talking about that. They, you're never going to be more loved than I am right now. And I wasn't holding you up, so there is nothing that I'm going to do that's going to let you down. And that's something that we all have to write on our heart, that we all have to go back to and flip back to and remember, hey, man, there's nothing that I'm do that's holding them up, so I can't let them down. So there's nothing that's going to do that I'm going to do that's going to change the way he feels about me. Because his love is agape. It comes with no conditions. 
You're always going to be loved by God. No matter where you are, you can choose not to go to the destination that he has for you, and you're still going to be just as loved right now then. All right, let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for this day, Lord God. I thank you for your word, our God. I thank you for this message. I thank you for this message of, of traveling in this time that we have in our country, Father God, in this time that we've gone through COVID and sickness, Lord, and justice and just these issues that are arising, Father God. There is no greater time than to know how to travel, to know how to get to the destination that you've called for us as your people, as your hands and your feet, as your eyes and your ears, Lord, that we are called to move the body forward, Father God. But in that, Lord, we have to know where we are with you, Father God, that we are always in right standing with you because of nothing that we've done but everything that you have done, everything that your son accomplished on the cross, Father, everything that your son did on Calvary had nothing to do with us and everything to do with you, Father God. So we always know where we are with you, Father God, that we know the destination that you have for us, Father God, is to set the oppressed free, Father God, to lay hands on the sick, Father God, to see them recover, Father God, to set the oppressed free, Father God, to sight for the blind, Father God, good news to the poor, Father. And God, that you tell us how to get there, that you make our path straight, Lord that you set us, and that, God, that you are going to finish every good work that you start, that you are the author and the perfecter of our faith, Lord, that we can be confident in your word, knowing that it never returns void, Father God. I thank you, Lord, that your word that was spoke this morning, Father God, is planted on good soil, that there is going to be fruit, Father God, that every person that came through the threshold of the doors, Father God, would be changed. There would be something of your word that they hold on to that bears fruit, Father God. God, we thank you that we are going to go on about our weeks. Lord, angels, I thank you for protection over every single one this morning. Father God, we just love you. We worship you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.